when Jenna's new boyfriend, Herm, announces that he is traveling to the north shore of Lake Superior to meet Commander Donner. She is skeptical. After all, Herm is convinced that he is an alien from the planet Xylon, who has been sent to Earth to search for rare minerals. As far as she is concerned, he is living in a dream world. However, Herm is also a nice guy, the best she's ever known, and she enjoys being with him. So does her eight-year-old daughter, Sylvie. If only it wasn't for that alien issue. This is a story of the horrors that some people can inflict upon the innocent. It is also a story of how incredibly strong the human spirit is. Ultimately, it is a story of how strong the bonds of love truly can be. Eye of the Beholder, a novella by Jim Bates, available at MythMart.com, www.MythMart.com, and all other online retailers. In the wake of the Me Too movement comes a collection of short stories that challenge the reader to consider how women have suffered through the ages and continue suffering now. The primary connection between the stories in the collection, Suffer Rage, is that they are stories of and about women. Each woman in the collection has suffered, whether at the hands of men, society, or other women. Those they love, those that should love them, even their own bodies and minds, have betrayed them at some point. Some of these women are nameless. Some only have their names to hold on to, and some are looking for new names to go with the possibility of new lives. Some stories tackle sexual assault, abortion, mental health issues, aging, and surviving against the odds. Regardless of the genre employed, there is a profoundly feminist and, at times, girl-esque tone to the stories. There are sharp and smart gestures toward body, femininity, and patriarchy, and you get a sense of simmering rage throughout. As one of the story's protagonists says, all you have to do is listen in the bright dawn, and you will hear tender violence, the noise of women. When you have finished reading Suffer Rage, you will hear the voices of all the women vibrating in your bones, and you will ask yourself if you should choose to be a coward or a revolutionary. Purchase your copy today of the Open Contract Challenge 2023 winner Adele Evershed and her collection of stories, Suffer Rage, at www.mythmart.com. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Carry on my way, one son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry. 
Hey everybody, after several false starts, uh, I think we might actually get through the intro this time. <laughs> Welcome to Lupa's Bits. I am your host Lupa and this is episode, you'd think after four false starts I'd know by now, 153. There we go, 153. Okay, we are off to a great start this morning. Um, happy Valentine's Day. Now, you're all going to hear this on Friday, and Valentine's Day was on Wednesday, but I'm recording on Wednesday, so <laughs> happy Valentine's Day. Uh, you're going to get a little Valentine history. Um, yeah, you know, Valentine's Day is not one of my favorite days. I'm getting better at it. Oh, excuse me. My goodness. That was rude. I'm starting to like it more, but it's still not one that... Um, I go out and actively celebrate and I tell the children in my life that Valentine's Day doesn't have to be about romantic love. It can be about family love. It can be about friendship. It can be about, you know, a variety of things. And I just noticed the bouquet of flowers that's, that uh, a child made is gone. So she did take it to school. Yay. Anyway, um... I don't have a whole lot for housekeeping because things have kind of slowed down. We do Jim Bates's book, don't forget, I Have the Beholder just came out. And Adele Evershed's Suffer Rage um, is now out. And I highly recommend you pick up a copy of each of those. Um, you can get them on uh, Myth Mart and Amazon, Goodreads, Barnes & Noble. We're everywhere. It's everywhere. Uh, you, I am currently working on the Murder Society, which is coming out next month. Um, so yeah, exciting things are still happening. Uh, thank you everybody who contributed to our, uh, GoFundMe campaign. Now I do want to talk about that for a minute. There has been some misconceptions out there about the GoFundMe that the company is going under and that is not the case. Um, what has been happening for the past 20 some odd years that this company has been open and, um, doing business and the 20 years that the magazine has been running is that, um, all of the expenses have come out of Dave's pocket. He has paid for everything. Um, there've been a few years where business, uh, was supporting itself and then, you know, the market crashed and things happened and the money dried up. But um, we are not going out of business. We are not going under. We were, the GoFundMe was, is basically to kind of alleviate some of the pressure off of Dave's financial burden. Um, everything is still going ahead as planned. We just... We're asking for some help, trying to alleviate the financial burden on his bank account. Because like I said, everything comes out of his bank account. All of the domain names, all of the websites, all of the ISBNs, all of the publishing for the, the books. And I'm not saying that that's at risk. None of that is at risk. None of that is going to stop everybody who has a contract with us their books are still being printed. They're still being sold. 
excuse me. So don't panic. We're not going anywhere. Um, we were just asking for help. So thank you to everybody who have who has done that. Um, moving on. Um, let me see where am I going to next? My birthday. My birthday was this week. My birthday was on Monday, and I. <laughs> Here's a laugh for you. So I have a friend that I have known since grade three, and we were best friends in public school. We were best friends in high school, and then we kind of drifted apart. Okay, I'm going to tell you now, there's probably going to be a lot of interruptions. There's work going on two doors down. Um, there's people walking back and forth. Um There's going to be noise coming from upstairs. I could end up with an unexpected guest on the show in probably about eight minutes, eight to 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm not making any guarantees, but you know, so there is noises happening. Um, I can't do anything about that. I'm terribly sorry. I tried to podcast earlier, but like I said, I had several false, false starts. Every time I went to start, um, I would get a phone call or I would have to do something. I had a list of things I had to do before I started podcasting and they took a bit longer than normal and then I took a phone call and the dog's chewing on something. I need to go check that out or just do this. Annie, with me. What you got? Well, he's not bringing it, so it's obviously something he's not supposed to be having. Last week, what he was doing, because he didn't have my undivided attention, was pulling all the stuffing out of his bed. The other day, he pulled all the stuffing out of his mountain chew. So, I'm not sure. Oh. I don't know about that dog. I really don't. He has 500 toys. And when... I don't pay attention to him or I'm busy. He has to find something he knows he's not allowed to have. Now he's right behind me, just out of arm's reach with something he knows he's not supposed to have. Excuse me, sir. I'm going to have to go take it away. You can come with me. Give me a minute because I don't want to stop this and... Oh, you know what? I'll just pause it because I might be more than a minute. I'll be right back. Alrighty, I'm back. <sighs> Crisis averted. Plastic hanger taken away. Dog admonished. Now he's looking for something else, I'm sure. He would, it would be, it would behoove him to lie down and behave. Hello. Okay, anyway. So yeah, there's lots going on. There's lots of things happening right now. My dog seems to think it's playtime, but it's not. He'll learn that quickly enough. Anyway, oh, holy moly. So, Monday was my birthday, and I have this friend that I've been friends with whew, since we were, I don't know, grade three. I don't know how old we were in grade three. But um, she <laughs> went over to my author account on Facebook and saw a post and thought she had put, I didn't look at year thought she had posted it this year and commented on it and then um she posted on my personal wall and said uh this is this year's post happy birthday 
And then she mentioned our age. And she gave me the best gift that a friend of our age could give somebody. She gave me an entire year. Because for the last, I don't know, month, few weeks, I have been firmly convinced I was turning 53. I don't know why I was convinced I was turning 53, but I was convinced, solidly convinced, that I was turning 53. I thought I had just spent the last year at 52. I've been telling people I'm 52. Nope. I just turned 52, so I get to be 52 all over again for another entire year. She gave me an entire year. And believe me, at our age, that is a lot. I'm very excited about the fact that I'm not 53. I am only 52. I'm happy with that. I'm excited about that. Okay. So, oh, I need to plug that one in. Um, my birthday was lovely. I talked to my nieces. I talked to two of my nephews. I talked to my sister and my brother-in-law. I talked to my mom. Um, I talked to, well, my one son wished me happy birthday. My other two forgot. <laughs> Well, I kind of got the happy birthday through my grandson, so that's really that's all that matters. Um, and it was a lovely day. I didn't have to do anything I didn't want to do. So while I did have some housework that I had to do, I had to fold laundry. Laundry needed to be folded. Um, it was also a day off for the girls from school because it's Abraham Lincoln's birthday. I have the same birthday as Abraham Lincoln pretty cool when you're in the States because it's a holiday. My birthday has never actually been a holiday or near a holiday or on a holiday because it's in February. So the biggest holiday in February is Valentine's Day. <laughs> and yes, growing up, I got a lot of heart-shaped cakes. I got a lot of boxes of heart-shaped chocolates for, my, for birthday gifts. Um, like, happy birthday, Valentine's Day. Um... Yeah, boyfriends were not uh, overly creative in the gift department. But um, this year I got purple slippers that I picked out myself. I love them. And Dave bought me a Supernatural uh, sports shirt. It looks like the button-up sports jersey kind of shirts. and But it's Supernatural. And it's got my name on one shoulder one sleeve and the year I was born on the other sleeve and it's so cool and I love it and I washed it and hung it up to dry and now I'm going to wear it um, later today probably. But yes, it's one of my favorites. I love it. I was very happy with it. Um, and then Dave's mom and Lily got me tulips and Zoe took a picture, a very unflattering picture of me. We won't talk about that. <laughs> that poor thing. She was so sick. She has a cold. And she felt crummy all day. And she kind of rallied at the last minute. And then they took me to the Sizzler for dinner. So I got steak and shrimp and all I could eat salad. Um, and then Dave kept disappearing throughout the meal. And I'm like, what is he doing? Um, and then... Once we were all finished, 
the waitress brought over, all I had said was, I want a piece of chocolate cake. There better be chocolate cake. And he went and got me a big piece of chocolate cake. They even warmed it up so it was all warm and gooey and chocolatey and yummy. And then they sang happy birthday to me and the big long table behind us sang happy birthday to me and the people in the booth sang happy birthday to me. And I was happy and shy and embarrassed and loved and overwhelmed. And it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. It was a really good birthday. And uh, then we came home and we were going to watch a movie. But by the time we got home and we got the kids settled into bed because they had school the next day, um, it was already late. So we didn't actually watch a movie. But uh, the movie I have picked out that I want to watch is the new Hunger Games movie. I'm excited about that one. So I'll let you know. But we did just watch one recently. Oh, my memory is horrible lately. It was a really, really good movie. And Mike Lutz had recommended it to us. Um, and I'm going to actually, yeah, I'm going to recommend it to Sarcastically Cynical Sally and have her watch it so she can review it for the magazine. It's a really good movie. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, but I can't remember the name of it. For the life of me. I'm sure it'll, it'll, I'll figure it out, but I'm not doing it right now because it's making my brain hurt. So, yeah. So, it was my birthday on the 12th. And then, you know, of course, two days later is Valentine's Day, which is today. Um, and Zoe asked us what we had planned. She asked us last night, you know, what we had planned for Valentine's Day. <laughs> you know, what we were doing. And we just kind of looked at each other and went, I love you. And he's like, I love you. And that was it. She's like, that is so pathetic. But we just, you know, had a huge meal at the Sizzler and spent a lot of money and it was really good. So we don't, we're having pizza, frozen pizza for dinner tonight. <laughs> I might cut their pieces into little heart shapes. But uh, yeah, I'm going to do some uh, sourdough baking later too, because I have way more discard than I need. And it looks like George, my sourdough starter is starting to do what George needs to do to um, be ready to use to make sourdough bread and buns and all that good stuff. So I need to use up some of my discard because I'm running out of room. Well, pretty much I'm out of room in my container. <laughs> and I'm not sure. I'm kind of concerned. Um, what happens with your sourdough starter when it's ready is it doubles when you feed it it grows and it doubles in size and he's already more than half the jar. So I'm a little concerned <laughs> that he's going to outgrow his jar. Uh, so I want to get some smaller jars to put some aside and, you know, George's children, basically. Um, because you can do that. You can do that. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. I've been watching him today because it was really warm in the kitchen yesterday because I had the dryer going and then the oven was on. Um, and he like really started to grow and, and feed and, and ferment, do the thing that it does. And I was a little concerned. So when it cooled down in here, he did shrink down half of what he grew yesterday, but he still remained above the line from where he was when I fed him. 
So for those of you that don't know, sourdough starter is basically just, well, not basically, it is just all-purpose flour and water. And you put it in a container. And I think you start one-to-one. You make it like a, I can't remember, it's like a, a pancake batter consistency. And then when it starts to grow a little bit, then you go up to, right now I'm on one, two, two, which means I take out a half a cup of starter and I put back a full cup of flour and a full cup of water to feed it so that it grows. And I can make bread, I can make buns, I can make, um, with the discard, I can make pizza dough, I can make bagels, I can make pretzels, I made tortillas, Directed at the front door. Yeah. I made tortillas earlier in the week and I was very impressed with how the tortillas turned out. They were so simple, so easy. And I just used the discard. It was tortilla, a recipe for discard. And um, it was so simple and so easy that I'm going to do it again. I'm going to make a double batch and freeze some. Um, and I don't have a rolling pin, so I had to improvise. So I filled a water bottle with water and I used it and it worked great. It was heavy enough. It was long enough that I could roll it. (coughs) So it was great. I was very impressed with it. So yeah, it was, it was good. So now I'm excited to try more things, but I have to get more flour because, um, it takes a lot of flour to do it. Like you're using a cup of flour every day. So a bag of flour goes quick. Um, So I have to go get more flour, but that's okay because I need coffee because if I don't have coffee, things get ugly. (laughs) I need coffee. I am fueled on coffee and menopausal rage. Just so you know. Um, So yeah, now today, that's what, that's basically what happened Monday and Tuesday. Well, no, I made um, the tortillas on Sunday for the Super Bowl which um, I will talk about for a moment because Dave hasn't come down. He he was a little butthurt about the Super Bowl. And I, I don't honestly believe him. He says, I have won every year since we started placing bets on the Super Bowl. And I don't think that's true. I think he has won. Um, I know I won last year. And I know I won this year. Um, and I know I won four years ago. But I don't think I've won every year. But (laughs) I won. So it's all good. Um, Yeah, we did Super Bowl Sunday. We don't watch football on a regular. Um, We only watch the Super Bowl. And part of it is for the halftime show. Part of it is for the commercials. And part of it is because it's a fun game to watch. And we place a wager between the two of us on it. And we have a good time and I make the food and it's a good, you know, four hours. (laughs) This year it started at 3.30. It was in Vegas. So we got to watch it early. We didn't have to wait until late to watch it. And um, it was a good game. I mean, the first half, I will admit, the first half was boring. Before halftime, it was boring and it was just kind of like I was pretty much thinking that uh, the 49ers were going to take it because my Chiefs were doing nothing. But I realized, and I mean, I could be wrong. You can tell me I'm wrong. I kind of realized Mahomes' strategy um, as I watched them in the first quarter of the second half. 
And that is, he was kind of, I think he was watching and he was kind of biding his time and waiting to see how San Francisco was playing, whether they were playing aggressively, whether they were playing defensively, whether they were pushing or they were, you know, overconfident. And I think he was getting a feel for how Purdy was running the plays. So in the, the after halftime, when they came back out onto the field, it was like all of a sudden, boom, he exploded. The game is tied and then we're ahead. And it was just, holy crap, what, what's, what's happening? <laughs> this is getting really good. Um, and the commercials were really good. There was a couple that caused me to tear up. And there were some that made me laugh, like Patrick Stewart. Now, if you watched the Super Bowl and you saw the Patrick Stewart commercial, the one with Creed and Drew Barrymore, and there's a couple of other people in there, um, and the little cartoon kid, I can't remember his name, with the head shaped like a football, uh, you have to go find it on YouTube because it's a lot longer than what they played on the Super Bowl. There's more to it. Um, Patrick Stewart says something to the little kid just before he throws him. And like he says this whole beautiful speech to him and he kisses him on the top of his little football head. And then he throws him and Creed's singing, you know, I can take you higher. And the little kid's singing and Patrick Stewart's singing. <laughs> it's like this whole thing. Um, but yeah, they kind of killed the little kid because he slams into the mountain and it's kind of funny but just listening to Patrick Stewart, Stewart turn and tell Drew Barrymore to shut her face <laughs> I laugh every single time it's funny um so we st started with the Super Bowl Saturday was kind of a uh uh I need to get caught up on everything because Sunday's going to be Super Bowl so I did most of the laundry. No, I did laundry Sunday and then finished it Monday. And uh, Saturday, I kind of, I did some work. I had some class stuff that I had to do. And we had some running we had to do, stuff like that. Um, poor Zoe was sick, so she was home this weekend. It was nice to see her face. And uh, we just did what we, you know, had to do because... Sunday was going to be Super Bowl and then Monday was my birthday. So any work that I was going to do on Monday, I did on Saturday. And now it's Valentine's Day and now we will get into the meat of this podcast. So uh, Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day. I thought there it is. Okay. So history of Valentine's Day, just to give you, you know, a little background is always celebrated every February 14th, two days after my birthday. And across the United States and in other places around the world, candy, flowers, gifts are exchanged between loved ones, all in the name of St. Valentine. So who is this mysterious saint and where did these traditions come from? Um, you can find out about the meaning of and history of Valentine's Day from the ancient Roman ritual of Lupercalia that welcomed spring to the card-giving customs of Victorian England. So, the legend of St. Valentine, the history of Valentine's Day, and the story of its patron saint is shrouded in mystery. Valentine's oh my goodness, that scared the... 
That scared me. She, we're not even... Just, shh, this is my podcast. Nobody else gets to speak. I think I'm going to sneeze too, so give me a minute. Okay, so we do know that February has long been celebrated as a month of romance and that St. Valentine's Day, as we know it today, contains vestiges of both Christian and ancient Roman tradition. But who was St. Valentine and how did he become associated with this ancient rite? So the Catholic Church recognizes that at least three different saints named Valentine or Valentinus, all of whom were martyred. One legend contends that Valentine was a priest who served during the third century in Rome when Emperor Claudius II decided that single men made better soldiers than those with wives and families. He outlawed marriage for young men. Valentine, realizing the injustice of the decree, defied Claudius and continued to perform marriages for young lovers in secret. When Valentine's actions were discovered, Claudius ordered that he be put to death. Still, others insist that it was St. Valentine of Terni, a bishop who was the true namesake of the holiday. He, too, was beheaded by Claudius II outside Rome. So you don't want to be named Valentine. <laughs> other stories suggest that Valentine may have been killed for attempting to help Christians escape harsh Roman prisons, where they were often beaten and tortured. Now, according to one legend, an imprisoned Valentine actually sent the first Valentine greeting himself after he fell in love with a young girl, possibly his jailer's daughter. That would be appropriate. When who visited him during his confinement. Before his death, it is alleged that he wrote her a letter signed from your Valentine. Yeah, an expression that is still used today. Although the truth behind the Valentine legends is murky, the stories all emphasize his appeal as a sympathetic, sympathetic, heroic, and, most importantly, romantic figure. By the Middle Ages, perhaps thanks to this reputation, Valentine would become one of the most popular saints in England and France. Now, everybody says, you know, the French are all about love, so that makes sense. While some believe that Valentine's Day is celebrated in the middle of February to commemorate the anniversary of Valentine's death or burial, which probably occurred around um, AD 270, others claim that the Christian church may have decided to place St. Valentine's feast day in the middle of February in an effort to Christianize the pagan celebration of Lupercalia, celebrated at the Ides of February or February 15th. Now, um, it has been historically proven that the Catholic Church did place a lot of holidays around the pagan holidays to help make conversion more comfortable for those that didn't follow the Christian religion. Um, Lupercalia was a fertility festival dedicated to Faunus, the Roman god of agriculture. And it is the, it's the first of the spring festivals before we get to um, the 1st of May. So, as well as the Roman founders, Romulus and Remus. To begin the festival, members of the Lupercai, now I probably didn't say that right, so don't come at me. An order of Roman pe priests, priests, <laughs> Roman priests, would gather at a sacred cave where the infants Romulus and Remus, the founders of Rome, were believed to have been cared for by a she-wolf or Lupa. That would be me. No, not me, but, you know, 
<laughs> That's where my name comes from. My nickname comes from. The priests would sacrifice a goat for fertility and a dog for purification. They would then strip the goat's hide into strips, dip them into the sacrificial blood, and take to the streets, gently slapping both women and crop fields with the goat hide. Far from being fearful, Roman women welcomed the touch of the hides because it was believed to make them more fertile in the coming year. Later in the day, according to legend, all the young women in the city would place their names in a big urn. The city's bachelors would each choose a name and be compared for the year with this chosen woman. These mass matches often ended in marriage. I think that's where a year and a day comes from as well. Lupercalia survived the initial rise of Christianity, but was outlawed as it was deemed unchristian. At the end of the 5th century, when Pope Galatius declared February 14th St. Valentine's Day, it was not much later, however, that the day became definitively associated with love. During the Middle Ages, it was commonly believed in France and England that February 14th was the beginning of birds mating season, which added to the idea that the middle of Valentine's Day should be a day for romance. The English poet Geoffrey Chaucer, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I love Chaucer's work, but every time I see the name Chaucer, Ever since I have seen A Knight's Tale, I can't get past the naked dude, because that's who he was. Um, the English poet Geoffrey Chaucer was the first to record St. Valentine's Day as a day of romantic celebration in his 1375 poem, Parliament of Foulet's writing. Writing, for this was sent on St. Valentine's Day. When every fowl cometh there to choose his mate. Valentine greetings were popular as far back as the Middle Ages, though written valentines didn't begin to appear until after 1400. The oldest known... See, everybody always complains that Valentine's Day has become so commercial. Guess what? It's been commercial since the 1400s. The oldest known valentine still in existence today was a poem written in 1415. By Charles, Duke of Orleans. And here comes the surprise guest I was telling you about earlier. I can hear him coming. Remember, I told you there was going to be some interruptions, some noises, some stuff. He's having a hard time coming down the stairs because the dog won't let him. I'm waiting. We're waiting. The world is waiting for you. Oh, surprise guest. Here he comes. Drum roll, please. Ladies and gentlemen, the man of the hour, David Montoya. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> We're discussing Valentine's Day. Nah. All right. Carry on about your business. I'm still recording. Okay. Um, yes. And his, his thing today was to get that hanger and decide to chew it the minute I start podcasting. Somebody else decided to do something else as soon as I started podcasting. <laughs> okay. Ignore the background noises now. Okay, so, as I was saying, Valentine's Day has been commercial since the 1400s. So, it's not a new thing. Um, the oldest known Valentine still in existence today was a poem written in 1415 by Charles, Duke of Orléans, to his wife, 
while he was imprisoned in the Tower of London, following his capture at the Battle of Agincourt. The greeting is now part of the manuscript collection of the British Library in London, England. Several years later, it is believed that King Henry V, yes, that's the fifth, okay, hired a writer named John Lydgate to compose a valentine note to Catherine of Valois. Now, who is Cupid? Because he's often associated with valentines as well. He's the little cherub with the wings and the arrows and the diaper. So, Cupid is often portrayed on Valentine's Day card as a naked cherub launching arrows of love at unsuspecting lovers. But the Roman god Cupid, see, he's a Roman god, has his roots in Greek mythology. Now, there's there, think about that for a minute. The Roman god Cupid has his roots in Greek mythology. And if you know anything about Greek mythology and Roman mythology, those two are pretty much interchangeable. They just have different names. So, in Greek mythology, he's known as the Greek god of love, Eros. Accounts of his birth vary. Some say he's the son of Nyx and Erebus, others of Aphrodite and Ares. Others suggest he's the son of Iris and Zephyrus, or even Aphrodite and Zeus, who would have been both his father and grandfather. But we won't discuss the Greeks' penchant for family love. <laughs> Okay, so according to the Greek archaic poets, Eros was a human, a handsome human, handsome immortal. Yeah, he can't be a human immortal. Handsome immortal played. Wait a minute, I'm trying to read this. Played with the emotions of gods and men using golden arrows to incite love and leaden ones to sorrow aversion. It wasn't until the Hellenistic period that he began to be portrayed as the mischievous chubby child he'd become on Valentine's Day cards. In addition to the United States, Valentine's Day is celebrated in Canada, Mexico, the United Kingdom, France, and Australia. So happy Valentine's Day to uh, my friend down under, Tim. And I hope that you showed your wife a wonderful day. Um, in Great Britain, Valentine's Day began to be popularly celebrated around the 17th century. By the middle of the 18th, it was common for friends and lovers of all social classes to exchange small tokens of affection or handwritten notes. And by the 1900s, printed cards began to replace letters due to improvements in printing technology. Now people just email them. <laughs> they email you the, the Valentine's cards. Ready-made cards were, easy, were an easy way for people to express their emotions in a time where direct expression of one's feelings was discouraged. Cheaper postage rates also contributed to an increase in the popularity of sending Valentine's Day greetings. Americans probably began exchanging handmade Valentines in the early 1700s. Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah. By the 1840s, Esther A. Howland began selling the first mass-produced valentines in America. So the actual mass-produced commercialism of Valentine's Day began in the 1840s. Howland, known as the mother of the valentine, made elaborate creations with real lace, ribbons, and colorful pictures known as scrap. I think that's where scrapbooking came from. 
Today, according to Hallmark, an estimated 145 million Valentine's Day cards are sent each year, making Valentine's Day the second largest card-sending holiday of the year. More cards are sent at Christmas. So that is your history lesson again this year on the history of Valentine's Day. Uh, Where are we sitting? Uh, Oh, my goodness. I'm talking back to the squeaky cabinet door. (laughs) At least the drilling and the Garth Brooks music has stopped uh, and the hammering. Um, I was concerned when I started that that was going to continue and you guys were going to pick it up. Um, But that has stopped. So moving right along. We have um, some Valentine's Day Florida Man news. (laughs) Of course we do. Why wouldn't we? (laughs) Okay, so somebody on Instagram um, collected three of the funniest Valentine's Day iconic Florida Man headlines. So we have, in 2020, Florida man undergoing kidney dialysis is upset that he can't bring a life-sized cutout of President Trump for his emotional support during his treatments. I honestly thought that was going in a different direction. I'm thinking latex and a whole lot of hot air. Uh, Florida man caught on camera... This is February 14th, 2019. Florida man caught on camera licking doorbell. Blah, 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 blah. Little tongue action there, I guess. Oh. And this is why I tell you people, don't lick shit. Okay. February 14th, 2019 again. Something must have been happening in 2019. COVID hit. People went crazy. Broke the world. 2020 oh, it was the year before COVID hit. All right. Flor- Ooh, your voice sounded really sexy right there. <laughs> and that's all captured on here. Okay, so Florida man accused of making bomb, making bomb threat, was wow, was referring to bowel movement. Police say, yeah, holy moly! And there apparently there's a Florida man challenge. You're supposed to type in your birth date into a search engine and see what happened. Um. In the search engine, followed by the words Florida man, and you will be blessed with a Florida man story from your special day. Okay, we need to do this. So, February 12th, 1972, Florida man. What do we got? We have 19 fun birthday facts about February 12th, 1972. Uh, Naked shenanigans. Wait, what? Um, okay, hang on. There's several people that were born. I share a birthday with several people. I like how they say notable people, but they don't have Abraham Lincoln on here. They have Arsenio Hall and a bunch of people I don't know. Um, yes, you do realize this is going to be all about my birthday again. <laughs> Anyway, so more Florida man. 
Uh, I'm trying to find the story. Nope, that's not it. Is that the one? Because, yes, this is it. This was actually 2024, okay? Today, 2024, in Polk County, the headline reads, Florida man gifts mortified ex-girlfriend stolen statues for Valentine's Day. So, a Polk County man is spending Valentine's Day in jail after Sheriff Grady Judd said he not only stole statues out of a front yard, but he gifted them to his ex-girlfriend. According to Judd, Anthony Lewis, 33, wanted Valentine's Day to be special for his lost love, and he believes Lewis may have been trying to make up with her. Oh, you know, that's a hell of a way to make up. Here, honey, I stole things for you, and I'm going to give them to you. And it's going to be displayed in your front yard for all to see the stolen items. Nothing says I love you like contraband. Judd states that Lewis was riding his bicycle when... Wait, what? (laughs) Riding his bicycle when he stole two crane statues out of a woman's front yard. I need to message my aunt and make sure she's still got her statues. Uh, These statues were provided to the victim by her... Oh, okay, so it wasn't my aunt. So the statues were provided to the victim by her deceased husband before he was deceased, of course. But they were very special to her and this guy stole them. Detectives tracking the missing statues, tracked the missing statues to Lewis's ex-girlfriend's home. Judd says when investigators explained that the statues were stolen, the woman was mortified and cooperated with deputies. The statues were returned to their rightful owner and Lewis, who has 39 previous burglary and theft charges, was arrested. You might want, oh wow, it's got to be something in the water. Dude has 39 previous burglary and theft charges. He might have wanted to think that maybe that was the reason why his girlfriend broke up with him and stealing something else and getting another charge might not have been the right thing to do. But, you know. Hey, excuse me, sir. Yes, you. Thank you. So if this guy's in the area, he'll steal it. So there's that one. Um, This one kind of made me giggle. Kind of made me giggle. From 2020. Um, Florida man names shark after his wife for Valentine's Day. How do you say happy Valentine's Day to your significant other? A heart-shaped box of chocolates, a dozen red roses, a romantic candlelight dinner, day of pampering at the spa? Nope. A Vieira man has most of us beat, at least on unique style points. Jim Kochi named a shark after his wife. Colleen. That's right. Great white shark, no less. Tuesday, Kochi and 10 other divers were on a group charter with Walker's Dive Charters out of Riviera Beach. On their second dive of the day, the divers were able to enjoy a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You know why it's once-in-a-lifetime? Because they eat people. And an encounter with a great white shark. I'm sorry, that's when I would look like Jesus. I would be walking on water to get to land. I wouldn't be out in that boat in the first place, but you know, it is what it is. It appeared out of the blue, dark blue haze like an apparition, and it was massive. Aha, yeah, gone. Kochi said the shark swam away before anyone could really get any images of it, but as luck would have it, it came back to give the divers another look. Oh, I'm pretty sure it came back to peruse the buffet one more time. 
This time, Kochi had his video camera rolling, and he swam as fast as he could to keep close enough to the shark for a few seconds to get good quality images. Again, I say nay. Nay, nay. Nuh-uh. The team from the Massachusetts Division of Marine Fisheries Shark Research Program was notified of the sighting. Immediately, the team began working through its database of more than 120 known white sharks to see if the shark was one of their, it was one the program knew. Turns out it wasn't. Great. They've got a new shark. So Thursday, the program contacted Kochi and gave him the honor of naming the shark for its database. Kochi chose to name it after his wife and best friend of the past 37 years, Colleen. I'm fairly certain she wasn't thrilled. I know I wouldn't be. (laughs) Kochi wrote this on his Facebook page. Announcement! A recently documented great white shark has been determined by the Massachusetts Shark Research Program to be a new discovery. Our new shark has been entered into the database and is named Colleen after my loving wife, very best friend, and greatest dive buddy ever. Happy Valentine's Day, honey. Colleen's response on his thread was classic. Jeez, now how will I ever top that? (laughs) I am excited. That face just doesn't show it, was her reply under the response. Greg Scomel, lead researcher for the Shark Research Program, also announced it on Facebook and Twitter. Meet Colleen, the latest addition to the White Shark Database. I've identified hundreds of individual white sharks in the Atlantic, and it always amazes me that I'm still seeing new ones. Dude, they do reproduce. Like, do you not know how nature works? Anyway... Remember, if you have a shark encounter, please contact me. (laughs) You'll know if I have a shark encounter. I am pretty sure that will be the scream heard around the world. (sighs) All right, there's nothing else interesting in this. Moving on. I need to get away from the sharks. So here's 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 a classic Florida man for you, okay? Florida man stole one girlfriend's ring to propose to the other girlfriend. Yep. And he'll be spending Valentine's Day alone. Florida man is on the run after stealing one girlfriend's old engagement ring so he could use it to propose to his other girlfriend. Joseph Davis, 48, apparently he is still not old enough to know better, is wanted on a grand theft charge after allegedly betraying two girlfriends he met on the dating site OkCupid. The Volusia County Sheriff's Office said in a statement Thursday, he used the alias... Joe Brown with one girlfriend and Marcus Brown with the other. So neither one of them were his real name. Girlfriend number one, who lives in Orange City and who had dated Davis since 2015, told detectives she learned through some Facebook sleuthing that David Davis, a convicted felon, stop dating felons. Stop dating people who've been in jail. Was engaged to the second woman. Worse, she saw on the second woman's Facebook page that her rival was wearing an engagement ring and wedding band identical to her own from a previous marriage, according to the sheriff's office. She checked her jewelry box and found her rings and other items missing. About $6,270 in property had been stolen from her in all. The girlfriend contacted Davis's fiance, who lives in Orlando, 
and who had begun dating him in 2016. The second woman discovered that she also allegedly been stolen from. They joined forces and reported Davis to the authorities. The second girlfriend reported her own laptop and jewelry went missing after Davis moved out of her apartment, according to authorities. She also recalled Davis once taking her to the first girlfriend's house in Orange City. The first girlfriend was away at work at the time. Davis claimed to the second girlfriend that the home was his and even asked her to move in there with him. The second girlfriend packed up her own apartment and was ready to move in, but then Davis told her the deal fell through. Davis has a previous rap sheet that includes an active warrant in Oregon for a hit and run, domestic assault, and possession of cocaine. Oh, I'm telling you, people, research your partners. The brother of the Orlando woman posted about the bizarre situation on the sheriff's Facebook page, writing, Please, everyone, share this. My sister is the victim of Orland that was proposed to. He is now making threats to our family. The woman and her family did not return messages. My goodness. All right. So I think we are done with the um, Valentine's news. We're going to move on to a little bit that um, I want to call WTF Corner because people seem to enjoy it when I talk about weird and wonderful oddities. Oh, he's being a good boy now because you're here. But of course, he's going to chew his bone right beside me. Okay, so let's see if this has any WTF stuff. What the fuzzy hell? Um. I, okay, so this is supposed to be the latest, but it's not. Eh, anyway, that wasn't giving me anything. Okay, so. Uh, what? Made with who? All right, what do we got here? Um, I don't know. Tourists' foolish stunt and juggle goes viral. These are all videos. I don't want videos. I want, like, stories. Street vendors coffee-infused something takes center stage. Okay, well, that's not weird. These are supposed to be bizarre. I'm not getting it. You know, I, I actually did research. Okay, so what did Florida Man do on my birthday? Naked shenanigans, apparently. Um, Googling Florida Man on your birthday... Let's not leave out the ladies. There are plenty of noteworthy local Florida women. All right. So. <laughs> so they started with uh, Governor Ron DeSantis um, and Googled his birthday and Florida man because, you know, he is by default a Florida man since he runs the state. Um. Shirtless Florida man is back to take on Hurricane Florence because the internet made it so. Uh, okay, so Florida man wasn't drinking while driving, just at stop signs. That would, he's not drinking while driving. He is impaired though. But technically he can't be charged with drinking and driving because he wasn't drinking 
while he was driving. He was drinking, then driving. Yeah, driving while under the influence. So a thick-tongued woman moves at deputy. Uh, intimate acts in hot tub prompt gunfire. Yikes. Pile of burning pot plants at home attracts attention. Oh, you think? <laughs> Probably attracted the munchies, too. Naked and belligerent woman jailed after sex caper. Oh, we need to check that one out. Hang on. Let's just see what that says. Uh, Samantha Jewel Hernandez, 21, was jailed on charges of battery, domestic violence, and battery on an officer, firefighter, EMT, etc. after the February 18 incidents. Indian River County Sheriff's deputies at 12.58 a.m. went to the address in the 500 block of 8th Place in Vero Beach and spoke to Hernandez, described as naked and belligerent. She said she didn't want anything to, she didn't do anything to her fiance, though. Wait, she said she didn't do anything to her fiance, though. Was too intoxicated to advise any further. The fiance said Hernandez was intoxicated and wished to engage in intimate activities with him, but he declined her amorous advances. Hernandez was angry at the fact that the fiancé did not want to be intimate and began attacking him, striking him in the face and ripping his shirt. Well, that's good. That's going to get you into bed. No. <laughs> It'll get you into a cell. Hernandez of the 500 block of 8th Place in Vero Beach was taken to jail. On the way, investigators say she struck her head against a portion of a patrol car and <laughs> I wonder if she had help, and spat on a deputy's arm. Ew. The affidavit doesn't say whether she was naked and belligerent or intoxicated and belligerent on the way to jail. <laughs> okay, I need to find, we need to find out about the thick-tongued woman that moves at a deputy. Let's check that one out, too. I'm telling you, Florida's got something in the water. It's just not right. Okay, so... Martin County, a woman accused of mooing at a deputy after a traffic crash and likening the investigator to a cow. Okay, this might get me in trouble, but she really does have the wrong farm animal. Uh, was arrested on DUI and other charges, according to an affidavit. Joanna Carr, 73, of Massachusetts, was jailed on charges of DUI, DUI crash property, and obstruction without violence after the February 3rd incident. Carr told Martin County Sheriff's deputies she'd been drinking vodka since 6 a.m. And deputies noted that open container of Smirnoff, uh, well, at least she's drinking good vodka on the front seat. Yeah. All right. Intimate acts. Okay, let's find out why uh, having sex in a hot tub makes people shoot at you. Okay, so Martin County, again, what do you do when you spy folks engaging in intimate activities in a hot tub you grab your gun and start shooting wait what that's what robert hawkins 64 is accused of january 19th at an undisclosed address in martin county an arrest affidavit states a woman told martin county sheriff's deputies after 11 p.m that she hakins i think that's how you pronounce it and a friend were in a hot tub on a back patio Oh, maybe he was jealous. He was left out. I mean, if you look at his picture, 
She said Hakins went inside to go to sleep and she and the friend stayed in the hot tub. The woman said she and the friend got romantic in the hot tub and that Hakins saw them. She said Hakins started yelling. Hakins went in the home as her friend grabbed his stuff. She said Hakins came out with a gun and fired shots into the patio screen. She also said Hakins hit her. Meanwhile, Hakins told deputies he saw the two admit a sex act and grew enraged. He said he got his gun to scare them, firing shots toward the south part of the property. He denied striking the woman. The friend told investigators he was being intimate in the hot tub with the woman when Hakins threatened them. He said he ran from the home and saw Hakins come out with a gun. He heard several pops and ran. Jeez, didn't even stick around to protect the woman. <sighs> anyway. He's um, arrested on charges of domestic battery and aggravated assault. Yup. <laughs> Naked lady in Mercedes. <laughs> I wonder if that's the one that your mom saw. <laughs> uh, okay. One more. And then we'll move on to the birthday facts and call it a day. Let's see. What have we got? I didn't get anything on my birthday. Apparently, nobody does anything Florida man-ish on my birthday. Or at least we haven't gotten to that one yet. Um, Indian River County, a naked woman got locked up after investigators said she was behind the wheel of a Mercedes while under the influence. And apparently without clothes. Uh, the case against Cecilia Farr, 52, Began about 12... Hey, see, I could go and drive a Mercedes naked. I'm 52. As an Indian River County Sheriff's deputy heard screams from a Vero Beach home. The deputy went to the residence at the 12, 2100 block of 43rd Avenue and heard a vehicle turn on. The garage door opened and the deputy, deputy saw reverse lights activate on a white Mercedes. A completely naked female was in the driver's seat. It's unclear whether she wore a seatbelt. <laughs> Identified as fire, she, the naked lady smelled of booze, an affidavit states. An alcohol bottle was near the driver's side door. The home is Farr's listed address, and Farr said whether she asked whether she could leave and was told no. The affidavit didn't specify where Farr evidently was going naked after midnight. Um, investigators said Farr didn't comply with instructions. She was arrested on a charge of resisting arrest without violence and is accused of trying to spit on a corporal. At the jail, Farr took field sobriety exercises and was arrested on a DUI. Now, can you get arrested on a DUI if you're still in your own driveway? That's private property. I thought there were... Oh, anyway. I didn't think you could get arrested if you were on private property. I mean, obviously, you know, she shouldn't have been behind the wheel and she was going to go out on the street, but I think they should have waited until she was out on the street and then pulled her over at the end of her driveway. All right. So February 12th, 1972. This says it's my birthday.ninja. Okay. Justice, nurturing and responsibility. Uh, here are some snazzy birthday facts about the 12th of February, 1972 that no one tells you about. Don't wait a minute longer. Okay, so I do believe, yes, I was born on a Saturday and it was the 43rd day of the year in 1972. It was the seventh Saturday of the year. Um, 
And the next time I can reuse my 1972 calendar will be in 2028. Both calendars will be exactly the same. Uh, This year was a Monday. I already knew that. Next year, it'll be a Wednesday. And two years from now, it'll be a Thursday. All right. So there are 364 days. Nope. Two days left until my next birthday. And it's going to tell me how old I'm going to be. But that's okay because I thought I was turning that age this year. <laughs> it's all right. I'll turn 53 next year. Um, Let's see. There have been 18,995 days from the day I was born up to today. Up to my birthday. 18,995 days. Which means I have survived 100% of all of my bad days. Um, if you've been sleeping eight hours daily since birth, you have slept a total of 6,332 days or 17.34 years. Wow. That's a lot of years to lose sleeping. You spent 33% of your life sleeping. Since night and day always follow each other, there were precisely 643 full moons after I was born up to my birthday. I've, I saw a few. The next full moon that I will be able to see will be February 24th. Yay! Oh, my first one billion seconds happened sometime on October 21st, 2023. Because it depends on what time you were born. So in dog years... If a dog named Cole, a rat terrier breed, was born on the same date as you, then it would be 228 year old, 228 in dog years. 52 doesn't sound so bad now. Dog's first human year is equal to 15 dog years. Dogs age differently depending on breed and size. When you reach the age of six, Cole will be 40 dog years old. From that point forward, a small-sized dog like Cole will age four dog years for every human year. Poor thing. Um, Let's see. So my first name's personality. So magical power is hidden in your birth, in your given name. Um, Let's see. Let me find out what my first name is. So there are celebrities that share my birthday. Joe Don Baker. He was born in 1936. Don't know who he is. Richard Lynch, Cliff DeYoung, Joanna Kearns. I like her. Michael Martelli, Maja. Don't know. Jim Cregan, Sophie Zalmini, Zalmani, Lisa Hannigan, and Mike Posner. Okay. Um, how's my love life today? Just for fun? Try your love match score with anyone. Even office mates, schoolmates. Okay, we're going to try that one too. Just because, you know, Valentine's Day. Uh, famous February 12th birthdays. Peter Cooper was an American businessman and philanthropist and founded Cooper Union in 1883. Oh, well, there's Dharmawara. He's a Cambodian monk, lawyer, and judge. Andrew Goodpaster is American general. Yoshiko Yamaguchi, Chinese, Japanese actress, singer, and politician. Julian Simon, an American economist and author. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Author. Did you hear that? Author. 
Uh, Gene McDaniels, American singer-songwriter and producer. Michael McDonald, American singer-songwriter and keyboardist. Steve Backley, English javelin thrower. Jimmy Conrad, American soccer player and manager. And Sarah Lancaster, American actress. There's more, but I think that's okay for now. Uh, What happened on my birthday? Let's see. Nothing on the year I was born. Um, In 1541, Santiago, Chile is founded. Uh, 1771, Gustav III becomes the king of Sweden. Uh, 1946, African-American United States Army veteran Isaac Woodard is severely beaten, oh dear, by a South Carolina police officer. Well, that's... Oh, and they actually made a movie partially inspired, or they... Oh, it start, galvanized the civil rights movement and partially inspires Orson Welles' film Touch of Evil. Okay. Um... In 1994, on my birthday, four men break into the National Gallery of Norway to steal Edvard Munch's iconic painting, The Scream. (laughs) Uh, 2004, no, 2014. A massive winter storm across states in the southern United States causes widespread power outages, travel disruptions, and dangerous road conditions. I remember that. Um, so what does my birthday actually mean? Your birth numbers, 2, 12, and 1972, reveal your life path. And my life path number is 6. It represents justice, nurturing, and responsibility. You possess great compassion and seek to be of service to others. The following celebrities also have the same life path number. Kelly Clarkson, Kelly Carlson, Shlomo Artsy, Artsy. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Ty Grunion, Dahlia El Bahari, Ruth Pointer, Sylvia Sims, Robbie Amell, Anna Calder Marshall, Danielle Savre, Anna Daver Smith. Don't know any of these people. Um, my birthday horoscope for the year I was. Born, the Western Zodiac or sun sign of a person born in February 12th is Aquarius. Yes, I know that. The water bearer. A fixed sign with air as Western element. As you can see, I am full of hot air and talk a lot. The ruling planet is Uranus. Shh, quiet. Stop laughing. The planet of originality. According to the ancient art of Chinese astrology, pig is the mythical animal and metal is the eastern element of a person born on February 12th, 1972. See, I thought 72 was the year of the rat. But now it's telling me pig. I guess it's because where my birthday is. No. Uh, no, not long pig. <laughs> Amethyst is the modern birthstone for the month of February, while bloodstone is the mystical birthstone based on Tibetan origin. The zodiac gemstone for Aquarius is garnet. Lastly, the birthday stone for the day of the week Saturday is turquoise. So blue and purple. Um, I'm compatible with a person born 
When it comes to love and relationship, you are most compatible with a person born on February 1st, 1966. I don't know anybody born February 1st, 1966. Um, On the negative side, you are most incompatible with a person born on August 17th, 1955. That's very close to my mother's birthday. (laughs) Kind of funny. Um, I do have a couple of birthday twins too, like that I actually know as people. Um, Drago and Jackie are my birthday twins. So how many babies were born on February 12th, 1972? Based on the data published in the United Nations Population Division, an estimated 121,907,602,000 121,900 wait no I was right 121,907,602 babies were born throughout the world in the year 1972 an estimated number of babies born on February 12th 1972 is 333,081 that's equivalent to 231 babies every minute Wow. The most popular name on that day to give your baby was Jennifer or Michael. And my mother had Melissa and Montgomery, and I didn't get either of them. Uh, news, news headlines for February 12th. The news headline for Florida Man, February 12th. I don't think there is anything. I already did that. It didn't tell me anything. So, and then the rest is all just um, other kind of facts and stuff. So let's see. Where are we? All right. So nickname one, that would be me. Birthday, February, day, 12, year. Let's find out how compatible we are. Surprise guest. (laughs) nickname two you don't have a nickname (laughs) that's your name (laughs) Uh, evil one May 8th 1977 yes he is older than me or I am older than him analyze what are we doing what do we got what's our test score oh wow oh dear we're at negative one. <laughs> um, a negative test score indicates discord in the relationship. The couple might be physically attracted to each other, but it is going to be rough. There might be a lot of disagreements and may even harm each other. Wait, what? The association will need many adjustments for it to work. Mm, no, we did all right. Okay, Dave and Lupa's relationship is more than just sun sign compatibility of Taurus and Aquarius. No individual is a pure Taurus or Aquarius, but instead is a unique combination of signs and planets. Um, Let's see. Blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. There is no evil planet in the combinations. <laughs> no single combination can make or break the relationship. Well, that's good. All right, so 
I don't know what any of this means. Dave's sense of, okay, where are we? Dave's mentality and powers of perception combine very effortlessly with Lupa's sense of growth, expansion, or generosity. Wit and humor are abundant in the relationship. Yes, yes, it is. What is? Wit and humor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we think we are. Exchange of ideas is enthusiastic and friendly. Yes, it is. Dave's thoughts are in harmony with Lupa's dreams. Lupa's faith deepens Dave's intellectual self-confidence. Oh, it really does, doesn't it? It does. Lupa sympathizes with Dave's desire for mental advancement. Dave respects the moral, spiritual, and intellectual abilities of Lupa. Aw! So, yes, apparently... We're not going to go into Lupa's Uranus sextiles. <laughs> hey, apparently you have mystical spiritual inclinations. <laughs> and I have an expression of individuality. We combine pleasantly or effortlessly on things. So we're pretty good. Why were you negative one? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't got there yet. Oh, here we go. Uh, Dave's sense of sexuality, attraction, or intimacy interacts stressfully with Lupa's spirit of growth, expansion, or generosity. There is friction on how each other handle finances. <laughs> Lupa may occasionally accuse Dave of not being entirely open and honest. It also has a tendency to promote negative characteristics of laziness or indecisiveness in Lupa or Dave. Yep, I got that. Um, the individual sense of spirituality, imagination, or mysticism combines with ease. Oh, that's neutral. These are the negatives. <laughs> um... All right. We're just, wow. It's all about the sexuality. <laughs> uh, so my emotional needs interact stressfully with your sense of transformation, change, or power and destiny. Yeah. There is friction in Lupa's defensive nature and Dave's nastiness. You're not, you're not mean. I am defensive, but you're not mean. Dave expects Lupa to make all the adjustments, creating deep antipathy instead of agreement in the relationship. There could be several severe family issues and misunderstandings. Hmm. Interesting. Overall, we're decent. Decent? We have a decent relationship. Okay, we have an amazing relationship. Is that better? Yeah. <laughs> See? There's that discord. <laughs> All right, let's find out what my name means, and then we will get the heck out of here. Because I got work to do, other than this. All right, what do we got? My first name, Dot Rocks. That's my name. S is for strength. There when needed. Why do I rock? Um, S is for strength, there when needed, T, oh, are you kidding? It's like an individual letter for everything. The name Stephanie is of Greek origin. Yes, I know, and it's a name commonly given to girls. 
Well, I would hope you wouldn't give Stephanie to boys. Your name in reverse order is something. A random rearrangement of the letters and your name will give Phytosean. I don't know. Okay, the true meaning of Stephanie cannot be described with just a few words. Your name is your destiny, heart's desire, and personality. So my name evokes logical reasoning. You are possibly intelligent. I would like to think so. Intuitive, yes. Graceful, <laughs> not even maybe. And even a psychic. Um, um, anyway, interested in spirituality and mysticism is a strong possibility in your quest for truth. So this is all my mom's fault. Sometimes you are not friendly and do not like to spend time with other people. Okay. I don't like going out into the people. You are a type of person who appreciates luxury and elegance. Your heart's desire is peace and harmony above anything else. You need friends and society. Your gentle nature makes you avoid confrontation as much as possible. I think I'm very confrontational. There's always an internal battle when you are uncertain about something. Sometimes you have difficulty stating your needs and opinions openly. Worse, you'll give up when confronted by a more aggressive person to avoid a fight. Yes, you dislike the use of force. When people hear, the hear my name, they perceive you as someone who is stimulating, idea generator, talkative, and charismatic. All good qualities. You can attract, influence, and inspire people. You're often seen wearing functional clothing that can work for day and night events. You radiate a potential for success that attracts others to your cause. I can often be seen wearing um, yoga pants and a t-shirt. <laughs> I guess would work for day or night. <laughs> um, I'm a smoothie, a real charmer. You tend to have dramatic reactions when you feel things deeply. Um, yeah, I saw um, a movie trailer for Wicked and burst into tears. <laughs> Your kind nature allows you to work well with others and you are inclined to experience many emotional ups and downs. Yes, yes, I do. Uh, my most likely vocation. This should be interesting. Let's see what we have. So, skilled worker in any field. Meh. Historian. Okay. Philosopher. All right. Poet. <laughs> Writer. <laughs> so, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Counselor or advisor. My lucky colors are all shades of yellow, gold, and green. My lucky gems are moonstone, cat's eye, pearl, and any white stone. My lucky days are Saturday and Sunday because, you know, I was born on Saturday and it's the weekend. My lucky botanicals, elder, blackberry, hops, juniper, linseed, grapes, all types of fruit juices. I do like fruit juice. Uh, I'm a friend to Caitlin, Delwyn, West, Zimra. I don't know any of these people. So anybody with those names, um, I can't be friends with you. I'm an enemy to, or I can be friends with you. I'm an enemy to Alvis, Anna, Cecily, Michaela, Urbanus. Oh, I can't be friends with somebody named Urbanus. Right? DeForest, Safira, 
Rian, Catherine. Oh, I'm sorry, sweetheart. I can't be friends. I'm an enemy to my own daughter. Radovan and Ruben. Um, yes, I did know that coffee and word games are an excellent combination to sharpen my vocabulary. I do them every morning. Let's see. Stephanie is the 12th most popular baby girl's name in Illinois. All right. Good to know. Um, let me see what else. All right, so let's do my middle name. See what that comes up with. Because my middle name is my grandma's name. So let's see. Jean is the name that indicates a gift of gab. <laughs> oh my gosh. My grandma used to tell me all the time that my grandfather would tell me, and Papa would tell me I had the gift of gab. My grandmother would tell me that I would talk the hind leg off a donkey. So, yeah, talking is not something that uh, I have an issue with, as you can see. I have the ability to persuade others effortlessly. I am expressive, optimistic, outgoing, and inspiring, charming, and cheerful. You are the life of the party for any social event. You fascinate others with your creativity, especially in writing. <laughs> wow. Like, my names were... My, I, I didn't really have much of a choice, did I? She chose well, my mother. I am a writer. Um, they perceive me as someone who is sympathetic, compassionate, and generous. People feel comfortable with you and count on you for support. You don't care about fashion and often shabbily dressed. <laughs> Others see you as a maternal or paternal figure. Yes, they do. So, yeah, it's very cool. All right, people, I think I am done for today. Oh, my goodness, we have an hour and 22 minutes in here of absolutely nothing. So <laughs> welcome to the podcast that is about absolutely nothing today. Um, I think I've told you everything that I need to tell you. I told you all about my birthday. I told you about Valentine's Day. I ow, told you about my tortillas and George, my sourdough. I need to go check him. Um, told you I was going to do some baking today. And yeah, that's about where we're at this week. Uh, this is just basically an update on my life. So next week I should have um, some more WTF Corner. I'm sure I can find stuff. There's weird things out there. And hopefully I have some information to pass on to you. Some news, something of import. But until then, you know the rules. Be kind and don't lick shit. All right, everybody. See ya. Carry on my way, son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry. Don't you cry.